Canada has gone absolutely crazy, locking down the province when there's absolutely no justification, uh, especially in Ontario, where this has been brought to an extreme with our Premier Doug Ford boasting that we have the most extensive lockdowns in all of North America, when, by the way, his motto in his election was open for business. Unbelievable. Well, we have with us today one of the most outspoken MPPs, that member of provincial parliament uh, in Ontario, who has been everywhere to protest this absolute unbelievable restriction on freedom in Canada and especially in Ontario. He's paid the price for it as well. We're going to be speaking with MPP Randy Hillier. Stay tuned. Let's begin, as we always do, at the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Randy Hillier, thanks for being with us on the program. It is my pleasure to be with you here today. It's a privilege for me to talk to you, because you're actually one of the Canadian heroes, one of the very few politicians that are willing to stand publicly and defy the in absolute insanity that's going on uh, in Canada and in Ontario specifically. And you called it so early. Uh, I remember it was a year ago now that you were already talking about this in May, I believe it was, of 2020, saying we need to end the lockdowns. Um, bring us back in history, if you would, uh, to the beginning of all this for you, and uh, we'll start from there. Like everyone else, the uncertainty, the doubt, and the unknowns that were being propagated early in COVID and uh, with the declaration of emergency on March 17th, I think everybody was quite willing to cut some slack to government because of the great uncertainty. However, it didn't take long for the evidence to be revealed that demonstrated that this apocalypse that was being promoted was false. Uh, For myself, it was by the middle of April that it was clear that the evidence was showing that this was similar to a regular flu season, however, with some nuances, that it was um, being far more harmful to the elderly uh, and people who were in frail and and sick conditions. Um, But... The evidence was showing that it was not the projections and the speculations and the models of um, here in Canada, it was 350,000 people would die from COVID. Um, Of course, that is a greater than tenfold error. And that evidence was pretty clear to me by the middle of April. And I started speaking out by the end of April. encouraging the government to stop the state of emergency and to start looking at the evidence more so than the uh, the modeling. Mm-hmm. You know, I also saw that the state of emergency was contributing to and inciting and inflaming the terror and the fear and the panic within people. 
And if anybody knows anything about human nature and knows anything about um, what the responsibilities of government are, and that is to lessen the fear within society and, and do whatever you can to provide rational, reasonable evaluations of the risk, but not ever should we encourage people to live in fear. Um, and, um, and that's exactly what all of our institutions were doing. Our media were propagating fear. Our public health authorities were inflaming people's terror. And, and so was their governments. And I called on them to end the state of emergency because, in my view, there was no longer um, an emergency. No longer did we have to require, rely on uh, computer models. We actually had evidence and we and the evidence was growing even in april that the lockdowns were contributing significantly to the deaths in long term care that putting vulnerable sick frail people into a heightened state of terror using isolation and confinement um, was leading to even premature death in the long-term care homes where we have seen the greatest number of, uh, um, of fatalities. So um, I thought it was, and, and I guess the other thing I should say, like it was never in my life had I ever heard from so many constituents. It was, it was all day long, every day, people calling me explaining to me the the harm and the injuries and the inability to get needed medical attention and the fear and the actual losing of their jobs and their businesses their homes um, was having a, a hugely detrimental and far more injurious outcome in our society than what COVID was, uh, um, so I thought it was an obligation on to speak out about what was obvious to me, but was also clearly too dangerous a subject for any politicians or media or, um, to actually speak truthfully and honestly about. Well, here's something really interesting. Take us inside Parliament, if you will. How can this be going on? The medical experts are telling us that the lockdowns are deadly. They obviously, um, we're still allowing people into liquor stores, into grocery stores being close together. They let people onto public trans transit to sit next to each other. But in churches... No, they, they locked them all down. That's much too dangerous. The inequality of it was just so gross. We could see that as journalists. Journalists always, when, when there's, some, there's a massive inequality that doesn't make any sense, journalists all go, eh, something's wrong there. But politicians who are supposed to give sober second thought to things like that and, and see the evidence, take us inside Parliament. What is happening inside the Ontario Parliament? And why are people just not getting it? 
that's a bit of a myth to think that politicians provide sober second thought. It, it, it may be something that we would like to see happen, um, but that's not the truth and it's not the reality. Um, you know, I spent 12 years within the caucus of the Progressive Conservative Party, and we had a great multitude of various policy matters and, and subjects to discuss. And, and I can tell you and your audience and everyone that in a political caucus, you only view a policy or an issue through a singular lens. And that lens is your reelection. It is not when, when we, when we had discussions about budgets or, uh, or uh, the great many number of social issues as well, it's always viewed singularly through how will this impact, how will it improve or lessen the re-election of the party? And, and that's, that's just the way it is. Um, they may be sober, but there's not much second thought um, in, in politics. And so that's, uh, and I think they, they lost the Ontario government and all Western governments, you know, all political parties operate on that assumption and, and on, the, on that premise of being reelected is the most important consideration so it, let's not be surprised that once they incited and inflamed the panic and the fear within society, they quickly lost grasp of what they could do. And that's what happened clearly in Ontario. I remember speaking with a number of the um, staff in uh, the Progressive Conservative Party, um, the first week of April when the legislature returned for the first time after the state of, uh, state of emergency. And they all knew, and we had lengthy discussions, they all knew that they had misplayed their hand. They all knew that it was not the danger that they thought it might be. But they also had no way of communicating the error without them thinking that it would impair their reelection. So they had to keep lying, and and that's what we've been doing. We've um, they knew they were wrong, the Ontario government uh, by the end of April, and um, and I said to, you know they asked me. How do we get out of this, Randy? And I said, you have to be truthful to people. And I said, you know, people will be forgiving if you're truthful to what has happened. Um, and, and it was said directly to me, well, we can't do that. We can't do that. You know, our, our re-election will be in jeopardy. And so it's been stumbling and, um, and being dishonest for at least 15 months. 
in the Western world. And I think there's a lot of other, uh, a lot of other factors that can, that have gone into that, but that's at the crux of it. And that's why we've seen all Western liberal democracies really get trapped into that, that singular lie that now has become uh, an endless lie. Are you able to reveal who it was that, that said this to you? I mean, those are, that's hugely letting the cat out of the bag. Um, it, it would be, you know, one of the shining examples of uh, the basically misleading the people um, with the evidence for it. People provide information to me um, in confidence, and I'm not going to betray that confidence. They know who they are. Uh, they know at the end of the day, they will be judged on their actions. Um, you know, but I, I had plenty of conversations with many cabinet ministers and former caucus members who knew what they were doing was wrong. Um, and I remember stating categorically, clearly to one of them, I said, how can you be how can you be putting your children's future in jeopardy for your reelection? You know, is your reelection more important than the future of your children and your grandchildren? And, and I think that is reflective as a, of our society as a whole these days. You know, we see many, many people, doctors, police officers, nurses, academics, they, and thankfully, and God bless those, all those ones who have spoken out, but I've spoken with thousands who have understood this to be a, a falsehood and a lie for a long time, but they have not found the fortitude and the convictions to, to speak publicly about this. Um, and, you know, because their paycheck may be in jeopardy. And I think this speaks, it speaks volumes to the society that we've created over the last 40 or 50 years, where the value of your paycheck is more important than the value of your family and your family's future. Um, and that's, that, that could be a hard, that, that is a harsh statement. Um, and, and I don't think many people in our country want to confront what I would say is a fundamental truth now. Um, our, our paychecks are the most important thing in our lives. And, um, and I, I cut from a little bit of a different cloth, I guess. And there is nothing more important to me in my family, um, there is no paycheck that um, could ever supplant or uh, be predominant over my children and my grandchildren. Um, and, um, you know, but that's, that's where we're at. And this is not unique to Canada. It's uh, not unique to Ontario. This is a reflection of the erosion of our society 
over so many decades. It's finally has caught up to us. You've actually put your money where your mouth is, so to speak, um, because not only uh, are you, you, you were booted from the party uh, as well, but that was before this, but you've actually been fined and are facing massive fines uh, for having gone to some of these anti-lockdown protests and engaging in the political activities that you have. Um, do you even know how much you're fined at this point? I haven't been fined anything. I haven't been oh, convicted okay. of anything yet. Sorry, I thought you were you were experiencing fines. That's fine. That's fine. Well, the, the maximum penalties, if I'm found guilty, last I ch- checked was about $2.5 million in potential fines and about 25 years in jail. Um, if the maximum uh, so but there is no country there is no candidate there is no family there is no individual if um if you can be fined and incarcerated for being with loved ones being with friends for having an opinion and speaking out like that is not that is not canada that is not the Canada I grew up in. And, um, you know, uh, I'm willing to stand up and fight for my grandchildren's future. And these things are very real. We we already saw Maxime Bernier arrested. Um, what were your thoughts uh, at, at seeing that? Well, there's been so, so many abuses. Like, we have to understand, nobody, no government in this country is upholding the rule of law. Not one. I thought we crossed a Rubicon that I would have never expected in this country when we seized a church, when the government seized Pastor James Coates' church. I thought like that that was just never conceivable. Um, and, and to see a pastor incarcerated, I thought was never, never possible. Like these would be preposterous um, undertakings in a free and and civil society. Um, But, but there it happened. Um, But I also never thought it was possible that, that we would try that we would adopt communist policies for a virus. Um, and I never thought it was possible that our public health would, would prevent treatments um, that are, were known and effective, um, but we prevented effective treatments for people who had contracted the virus. Um, you know, I never thought it possible that we would isolate and confine people and tell them that it's unhealthy to go outside and to get fresh air and to get exercise and uh, and to eat healthy, but that that you're safer if you are confined within quarters by yourself um, um, without fresh air, without sunshine, without exercise like 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 these these are rudimentary these are elementary these are things that we all learned as little children and we have learned through millennia of 
of experience and observation that, um, you know, we have immune systems. We, we have a respiratory virus season every year. Um, and we know how to deal with them. But instead, we accepted and adopted communism mm -hmm. as a cure for a respiratory virus. And, and we're continuing to propagate lies. We're continuing to not reveal what the evidence has demonstrated. You know, every one of these apocalyptic uh, properties of COVID have largely been debunked uh, through peer-reviewed clinical trials. See, the, there's an overwhelming level of evidence that the lockdowns have caused more death, more injury, more harm than the virus. The evidence is clear that the mass, mandatory masks, have not prevented the spread of the virus. Even the CDC a couple of weeks ago came out and said there is not a single documented case of the tra of transmission of COVID outdoors. But we prevented here in Ontario, you couldn't have more than five people meeting together outdoors, even though there has never been a singular documented case of outdoor transmission. Yeah. And, you know, and we could go on. We like it, the hypocrisy, the contradictions and the lies are endless. One of the most sinister ones that that really does seem to speak to a kind of nefarious plan or, or decision behind the scenes is uh, what you spoke of earlier. You mentioned in that list you gave there, the forbidding of known treatments. It, it's unreal that they basically stopped people from getting ivermectin and HCQ, which are known to work. We had doctors from around the globe saying, you got to do this. It's worked for me just so many times and, and, and whole countries doing it successfully. And yet somewhere the decision is made politically that no, this can't be done. And I don't care if they got it from who or wherever they got this information from to do this. And a lot of people would have known they're killing people. How, how could we even go down that road where we knowingly allow people to die? Well, again, that speaks to the sickness of our society. When people say to themselves that my paycheck is more important than being truthful. My paycheck and my career is more important than saving lives. You know, it, this is a tough, these are tough statements to, to say to ourselves, but we have to, and, and we're still not yet willing to accept that we are all culpable in this tragedy that has happened. Um, all of us, myself included, um, we, we as a society have to say we made errors and, um, and our actions led to the premature death of many that was 
was avoidable. You know, I've used the term that the term that I've used to describe this is social murder. We willingly, knowingly traded lives. Right? We we said we will we will allow people who to die who because we will not give them medical treatments. We will not do cancer screenings. We will not do organ transplants. We, uh, we know that people will die because of the social isolation and, and the increase in suicides and domestic assaults. And, um, and, and I think this speaks to the, the nihilism that is so prevalent in today's society that, you know, the saving of myself is the only thing that is important, regardless of how many other deaths it results in. One of the great uh, awakenings for me during this was, as I saw society changing so quickly in April um, and May, where Never before had I seen so many people calling my constituency office and saying, I just saw three little girls walking down the street together and they weren't socially distanced and they shouldn't be doing this. Randy Hillier, as MPP, you should phone the police um, on these three girls. Or I saw a business with their door open Randy Hill, you call the police. And and we quickly moved from the commandment and the understanding of love thy neighbor to let's snitch and rat on thy neighbor. And and that is the way to be virtuous. And you know, I saw the the great animosity uh and vitriol. Um coming out through through the incitement of fear within society. You know, I've likened this to, um, you know, when a herd of animals are in a stampede, none of the herd of animals, whether it be buffalo or cows or lemmings, um, actually know what they're fearful of, but they're, they're running panicked. Um, and and often with tragic consequences. And that's how I see um, we were panicked. And this is interesting. It's Western liberal democracies that have been put into a stampede, not communist China, not North Korea. Um, you know, it's Western liberal democracies that have been put into the stampede, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. And we don't know how to stop the stampede. Um, and we're looking for, the, we're going to run into the cliff or over the cliff if we don't begin to think rationally. We need to find the strength and the fortitude to speak honestly. Um, you know, like, we have a mob mentality that has, um, and we've accepted and adopted this this horrendous cancel culture that has put so many people in a state of 
being fearful to speak truthfully. So, so that's number one. We need to be vocal. We need to be visible. We need to be public in our opposition. And I'm doing that through the nomorelockdowns.ca where we're providing lawn signs to people to help them find a way to express themselves. And we've also got local action groups which are delivering flyers, our facts versus fears flyers. For those who are asleep, we need to awaken them. For those who are fearful, we need to encourage them. And and it's only through the vocal and public opposition can we end this tragic path and stop us from continuing on this dark and dangerous path that we've embraced. Randy, I, I wanted to say a, a quick thank you from uh, Canadians generally, but but uh, especially for those of us who, uh, you know, are really looking for some leadership that's going to speak out uh, for truth. Um, so thank you for that. And any any parting words? I want to thank you for allowing me to have this conversation with you. We have to understand the gravity of the situation that uh, that we're on. You know, and we need to throw away the rose-colored glasses. You know, a two-week lockdown is now 16 months. Anybody who believes that um, that this is temporary, I would say to them, look back, look back through your life in Canada and look at how we have destroyed, we've ridiculed and scorned those of faith in our country. We, we have attacked and eroded our families. We have relentlessly diminished our individual freedoms. We have purposely and continuously um, transposed personal responsibility onto state responsibility. We, we look at what we've done in our education system and continue to do. And, and I would say to everyone, we ought not to be surprised that what has happened has happened. And in the longer term, uh, if we can get out of this mess that we're in today, in the longer term, we need to reflect on all those subjects and say it is time for us to restore our faith, restore our freedoms, restore our responsibilities, and be ever vigilant never to be so casual and dismissive in giving them up again. Amen. Randy Hiller, thank you for being with us on the program. Thank you. You have a lovely day and it's been a pleasure. God bless you and God bless you all. We'll see you next time. Hi, this is John Henry Weston, the co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News. I'm coming to you today because we want to be sure 
that we are communicating clearly with you, our loyal followers. Things are really heating up, as I'm sure you can see. Christians, conservative truth-tellers are being targeted, are being banned from social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at an alarmingly fast rate. They are attempting to suppress any narrative that does not fit that of the mainstream media. We knew this day would come. We have been warning everyone who would listen and attempting to build up alternative platforms to continue to reach you. We have established ourselves on all sorts of platforms I'm going to explain in a minute, but the most important thing to do is come direct to lifesitenews.com because there we will always be. But we've also established ourselves on platforms like Parler and MeWe and our videos can be found on Rumble as well. We would love to see each of you on those platforms too, as they are not censoring or suppressing the truth that we are sharing every single day. More than these alternative social media platforms, we highly encourage you to subscribe to our email newsletter. We have really built up a large list of loyal readers on our email marketing platform, and we have prepared several backup plans for, well, I want to say if, but it's really when, we are removed from our current platform as well. Additionally, I really encourage you, as I said before, to make it a regular habit to go directly to lifesitenews.com. Make it your homepage. While all of these different platforms are an excellent way to curate your news, going directly to our website means that you will never encounter any censorship or sudden loss of LifeSite News reporting. Here's the thing. We will never stop sharing the truth. We founded this organization with the mission to be the life, family, and culture source for men and women who seek to know the truth. We have established a track record of honest reports, and this will never stop, even with censorship happening around the globe. Again, I'm encouraging you to join us on Parler, MeWe, Rumble, and on our email list. You can find all the direct links in the description of this video. May God bless you and keep you, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to follow and support LifeSite News. I'm John Henry Weston, co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News.